Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It is Taz and the Moose with you right here on this Friday morning on CBS Sports Radio. Um, and we come to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. Mike, Pete, thank you across the way. Bogus with updates filling in for the vacationing Taz as well. As we welcome board right now, let's talk a little college, a little NFL. Former Giant linebacker, Boston College star, and that is Mark Herzlick uh, joins us now. Hey, Mark. Mark Melissa's Andrew Bogus with you. Thank you, buddy, for a couple minutes. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. How's the summer going, all right? Summer's going all right. We're getting, uh, getting ready for some football season. It was nice to to spend last night watching some games and, gosh, man, gearing up for, for college as well. Now, Mark, style-wise, are you, are you still sporting the Mohawk or no? <laughs> <laughs> yes. My Mohawk did not retire with my NFL career. Oh, it's, so you uh, still walk <laughs> around with the Mohawk. I thought after right. the NFL, I thought maybe after the NFL career, I thought maybe next time I, I thought the Mohawk would be gone. It's still there. Oh, how, yeah. How about that? It, it is uh... – it is surviving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Um, let's talk about your former team a little bit here, Mark. First, uh, the Giants. Uh, last night, certainly, you know, Andrew and I, we talked a lot about all the preseason games across the country. Um, what, what's important, you know, for, for, the guy, for the guy and gal that didn't play in the National Football League? You know, you're watching now, watching these games. What, what, do you, what, do you, what are we supposed to take away from preseason action? I think the uh, the biggest thing in, in week one is usually um, how do the backups perform, uh, not only um, the ones who are starting the game because of people who are not playing, you know, the, the seasoned veteran that's not going to be on the field or the superstar like Saquon Barkley not going to be on the field. How do not only their backups play, but really it's for – um, the guys who might be third, fourth string, how do they perform when they're on the field in um, their defensive or offensive position, but also on special teams? You know, one of the things that um, I try to tell every young player that comes into the league is that it doesn't matter how good you are at your position. If you cannot play special teams, you cannot provide value um, for your team early on in your career. Um, and so they will break down the special teams kickoffs and punts and punt returns and kickoff returns just as much as they will any um, offensive or defensive play uh, and probably weigh decisions uh, on who will make the last 10 spots of the roster based on special teams more so than, than anything else. Mark, specific to, to the Giants, it jumped out to, to Mark and I. Obviously, the raw numbers for Daniel Jones um, are good, impressive, great, however you want to describe them. But when he threw his touchdown pass, the offensive line celebrated in a pretty big way right around him. It, it just seems like he's already earned a lot of respect from the guys around him on that roster. Yeah, I think um, I think he has. I think he has earned that respect. I think that... Uh, another thing that you'll see in preseason, you'll see the the veteran players uh, 
on the sidelines smiling much more than you will in regular season play. And, and a lot of times it's after a young player um, makes a big play, right, a touchdown. You see them laughing and high-fiving. Um, and a lot. It, it's cool because you get to see someone who you've kind of watched grown up over the past few months, uh, and now they're able to succeed at this next level. Um, you know, I think some, some of the time they're laughing too because they're like, Man, this dude wasn't catching anything in practice. That was catching <laughs> everything yeah. in in the game. Um, so there's that side of it too. But I think with Daniel Jones specifically, um, I think that everybody on that team, uh, and I think in New York, was just so happy to see him succeed early uh, because there has been so much uh, scrutiny over that draft pick, um, really unfairly to. Uh, Daniel Jones himself, because all he's doing is just going out and playing football. He's always played, uh, and but I do think it was nice um, for fans and especially for his teammates to see him do well early, and he did. He, he he played really well, and it was funny because you saw a different ball being thrown. Right? It was it wasn't what New York fans are used to seeing that that zip on the pass. It was more like a touch placement pass, but it went to the right spot every single throw he made. Yeah, no question about it. And, you know, I don't know how good the the Giants are going to be this year. You know, defense have got some holes, and certainly, you know, Eli at the back end, maybe his final year in a Giant uniform with with Jones pushing him here, Mark. But uh, they've got a ridiculous player in running back Saquon Barkley. I mean, he he is as big of a difference maker what he can be offensively at the running back position as we have seen in quite some time. Yeah, he. I mean, he is ridiculous. That's a. It's interesting because I almost feel like it, the word "ridiculous" isn't a good enough word to describe him. But they almost <laughs> don't make good enough words to. Right, we got to invent play. one. That's what we got to yeah, do. We got to add. A, we got to add a word to the dictionary. <laughs> because you just when you watch him play, you're almost like, man, I've never seen this before. And and you try to put bits and pieces of different. Hall of Fame running backs together to say this is what Saquon is, but um, you know I think he he really brings this new aspect of running back to the game, and he's able to do everything. and And um, I think it's it, it's exciting. It's exciting to watch, and uh, uh, he's going to be a fantastic player. Mark, did you get a chance to see any of the Dolphins game last night? Because obviously, you know Fitzpatrick and Rosen is one of the only handful of QB bounds we actually have. Um, but after last night, I don't know that it matters who's back there because that offensive line has just been terrible so far for them. Well, and that has been a big problem for, um, I mean, you talk, you look around the league for any team, but, but for the Miami Dolphins in particular is protecting the quarterback, and, and it does not matter how good a quarterback is or what the quarterback uh, does or who he is if he can't have any time to throw it. And you saw last night, and it, it, it's a shame it happened so early, right? Um, I think I, I always say that offensive line is one of the last positions to kind of come together. And a lot of times you'll see early on in preseason uh, them struggle and kind of figure things out later because all five of those guys have to be on the same page on every single play. Um but it more so looked like last night that guys were just getting beat man like man to man. Yeah. Um, and that can't happen. And and I don't know how that gets fixed throughout the preseason. Uh Mark, the Kingsbury out in Arizona. Do you think what he is gonna try and do with his new quarterback in, in Kyler Murray, the Heisman Trophy winner out of Oklahoma, 
in today's day and age, it, it being such a passing league offensively for the most part, do you think that kind of offense, that air raid, air raid style of offense for the most part, do you think it could work in the NFL? I think it can if you have the right uh, guy at quarterback, and I think he has the right guy at quarterback right now. You know, watching watching last night and watching, uh, you know, when when Kyler Murray throws the ball, it's weird. It looks like the ball weighs less than when any other buddy, any other person throws the ball because it just like comes out of his hand so fast. And it's a lot of times <laughs> those throws are compared to like dart throws, but it literally looked like he was throwing darts um, last night. And and I think his ability to um, get the ball down the field, but also get outside the pocket uh, and make plays uh, with his feet on the ground. That's what makes the air raid offense um, practical in the NFL. Because if you're adding the element of, hey, if everything's covered up downfield, I can at least get four yards and then get out of bounds or four yards and slide. Like that's a win play on offense. So, um, yeah, I think there's there's room for that in the NFL. Obviously, you have to be able to run the ball because that's just you know it is what it is. But I think Bill Belichick and 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 um, you know, the the Patriots have proved it time and again is that when they cannot run the ball, they'll throw the ball 55 times a game, uh, and and they can still win. So um, with a mobile quarterback, it could be even more effective. I guess on on somewhat similar lines, Mark um, Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, three drives last night, two two scoring drives out of those three, threw for a score, ran a couple of times. Uh, his head coach talked recently about how many times he's going to actually run the football. Lamar Jackson, did, did that number, that prediction, did that scare you? Do you think they're putting him, or at least they're planning to put him in too much danger this year in Baltimore? I, I never want uh, my quarterbacks to get hit, especially in the open field, because all the protection uh, that a quarterback has provided um, is you know, gets thrown out the window. Um, but there's a way a quarterback can run, and you know they can slide, they can get out of bounds, they can do different things to protect themselves on the back end of the play um, that really don't they don't and shouldn't uh, cost yardage. So um, I think it's going to be up to coaching uh, Lamar Jackson on how to finish the play uh, correctly um, and have that awareness mid-play on, hey, this is the yard I need to gain. Um, or this is a situation where, you know, I need to put my head down, I need to juke, I need to get uh, an extra couple yards because of the game situation. So, you know, that comes with coaching uh, and experience, and that those are things that they coach running backs on all the time. Uh, what is the situation in the game, and how do I need to finish this play? Uh, well, there needs to be some coaching um, for the quarterback position there as well. You know, Mark, if I'm looking at teams across it, you know, not just reacting to what we saw last night or what we're going to see this weekend, but, you know, if they break camp healthy and health was an issue a year ago, that I think maybe can, you know, take a giant step forward off what was a down year a year ago. Um, I look at the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, defensively, they've got a lot of talent. We know how good Matt Ryan can be. Uh, I mean, he can certainly run it. They've addressed the offensive line, did in the draft. You know, I think the Falcons are a team that kind of people have forgotten about a little bit here. Um, you know, in, in the NFC, um, you know, after blowing that twenty-eight-three lead in the Super Bowl, I think they can go out and make it be a playoff team this year. What's your thoughts on the Falcons? No, I, I agree with you, and and it's interesting. You know, you say Falcons might be a team that people have forgotten about. I feel like they're always whether they're yeah, that's a good you know, point. had a good season. They're always the team that's like, oh yeah, the Falcons are probably pretty good, um, and I don't know why that is because they have. Uh, you know, 
all-star receivers, all-star quarterback. I mean, they they put together their team very well, and I think that the, you know they didn't struggle last year um, really because that you know they weren't potent or didn't have firepower. They you know they struggled because they games just didn't a lot of times didn't go their way or there were turnovers or you know, they were better last year than their record showed and I think they're going to be even better this year than they were last year so you know I totally agree with you uh when you have a quarterback like Matt Ryan um and uh receivers that can not only catch the ball but be huge playmakers on the outside you have a chance to do a lot and if you combine that with a, a, a revamped offensive line and a solid defense, I mean that's what you want as a coach going into a season. Um, now, can they stay healthy? We'll see. But that's that's the assumption that we're making, and and I do believe that um, they can be a real threat in the NFC. Yeah, and I think Mark going a step farther, uh, the NFC South with them, and I think the Panthers will be better, and then there are the Saints. I I think that's got a chance to be the toughest division in football this year. Yeah, and there's and there's no reason why it shouldn't be most years too. I mean, yeah, there's it's very rare that you can have that many um, that many elite quarterbacks in one division, um, but you see it there, um, and you know you don't get much much better than you know Cam, Matt, and and uh, and Drew. So I mean, those guys are are powerful, um, and if, when you go against them, you got to be scared every single time. Mark, how nervous uh, would you be if you were a Cowboy fan seeing how Ezekiel Elliott's holding out, threatening to sit out the entire year, the importance of the team? I mean, if there's one guy that's an entire team besides a quarterback that the team is built around, you know, it's Elliott down there in Dallas. He, you know, he, he changes the way Prescott plays, makes it easier for him, helps out the defense as well. How concerned would you be if you're a Cowboy fan right now? Yeah, I mean – he is, as you said, he's incredibly important to uh, to that team, to the offense, to the city of Dallas in general. Um, it, it's funny we just talked about the NFC South and we talked about you know all the the unbelievable quarterbacks in that division and how you, know, you have to be on your on point every single week. You know, the NFC East over the past however many years, it, it's kind of like you know, be just be the last man standing, you know. So. Um, while I do think Ezekiel Elliott's absence will affect their offense, um, yes, but I I see it being not as big a deal for the Dallas Cowboys just because at the end of the season, you know, if you win ten games, you'll probably be um, either at the top or close to the top of that um, of that. Uh, 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 division, so it's not to me. I, I, this is kind of like a forked uh, tongue type of thing. Yes, it's important. However, I think due to their schedule and due to the NFC East not having uh, those guys like a Drew Brees, Matt Ryan in there that can win fourteen games, um, I think that they are a little bit better off than if they were somewhere else. Mark, how does this end in Washington with Trent Williams? Do you think they have to trade him at some point here soon? Yeah, I think they're going to have to um, because, you know, I've gotten to know Trent a little bit, um, and he doesn't seem to me to me to be a guy that is going to uh, say one thing and do another thing. You know, I I I believe his word when he says, "Hey, I'm not going back there." 
uh, unless you, you know, I think his gripe is with the training staff and with the way they handled his medical situation. And at this point, the dude has more money than he knows what to do with. It's not about that. No. Uh, I mean, he, he, if he wants to play football again, which is a, a different question, um, but assuming he does actually want to play football again, and he said, look, it's not worth it for me to play there again because I don't trust the people handling my health care. I, I can't see a reason why he would come back uh, with that, that same system in place. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Mark, let's transition over to college a little bit uh, because we talked about the other day, Dabo Sweeney. Um, you know, and, and you know the college game very, very well. Is it? It's difficult to do what – and Clemson was always a really good football program, right? But, you know, they are now the cream of the crop. I mean, what, what he was able to do in that championship game and what they've accomplished here with different personnel, different quarterbacks, it's absolutely remarkable what Sweeney's developed here down in Clemson where they have made themselves basically the quintessential college football program in America. They have, and, and – Clemson has been a good program, but they were never a powerhouse. And I remember uh, when I played at Boston College, and we you know, we played them all the time. Um, and and every single year, it was a you know we we either won or it was a close game. Um, but we you know we were two good solid teams uh, in the ACC. But I don't think either of us were thinking that we were national championship uh, contenders. However, like you said, now Davis Sweeney uh, and the Clemson program has become the elite program in the country. Not only, um, you know, not only just in the ACC and in the country, but really, I think what they've done is they have been the alternate to a Nick Saban Alabama that seems like a fun place to play. You know, it does. You, you look at the guys who go to Alabama, and you're like, "Gosh, man, they must have a tough time there because there's, you know, it's so strict, <laughs> and you have so many rules." But then they're like, "Oh, wait, I could go to Clemson and have just as good football, and my coach is laughing and giving me high fives, and like I'm having fun." So you, it becomes like an alternate to that, yeah, where you know, it, similar sense of you know the New England Patriots in, in professional football. Is, you know, there's always kind of a sense of like, all right, I'm going to go to Bill Belichick and I'm going to, you know, win not, win Super Bowls, but you know, I might have to deal with a lot while I'm there because it's going to be, it's not going to be as fun as I would like football to be. Well, if there was a an alternate situation um, where there's a coach who liked to have fun um, and dance in the locker room, hey, that might be a good place to go too. So it's definitely been good for recruiting uh, Clemson. They have the right guys. Um, but I think when you see your head coach having so much fun uh, with your team um, and with the sport of football, uh, it really inspires everybody um, on that football team and really in all, in all of South Carolina. Yeah, and it's almost, at least for me, it seems a little odd to like be criticizing almost Nick Saban and Bill Belichick and other guys how they run things, but I'm... But I'm with you in that, like, or at least, you know, if I was good enough to be recruited, like, I would like the guy that's having fun as opposed to the guy that's all business. But Saban and Belichick have been so good, it just seems wrong to think that they're not doing it right or something like that. Oh, well, they, they are, you know, they're doing it right, and they're doing it uh, their way. And, and it's not saying that they're not doing it right because they're winning. But as a player, you balance the – hey, how much do I want to win 
versus how much do I want to love what I'm doing, right? And those yeah. can go hand in hand, but as, but sometimes, and it might, this might be more so at the professional level too, but you know, when you go to your job, any job, doesn't matter what you do, and you know, you're, say you're making a lot of money or you're getting a lot of promotions and you're successful, but you're not enjoying what you're doing day to day, Yeah, you really think about, okay, is this right for me? Now you can, if you can go to a place where you're making a ton of money and you're loving what you're doing and you're loving the people around you and everybody's you know nice and happy, then you're not. There's no question of okay, this is where I want to be for the rest of my life, type of thing. And you're not wrong. I mean, you're not wrong. Where you look at it, where you know Alabama can be a grind. I mean, I think that's uh, you know where you know the the way that they and, and that's fine. And if you're looking to be a uh, you play NFL professionally and you're that kind of a caliber recruit. You know, there's you look at the history of Alabama players; they all get recruited, especially defensively. And the same thing is going for Clemson right now. I'll tell you, if three programs, you know, Clemson, Alabama, and I'll tell you, Mark, that that locker room in LSU. And I never played college football, but I mean, that is. I thought Oregon was nice. I mean, that pro, that locker room down at LSU for LSU football that is that is utterly ridiculous what they built down there. Well, these these facilities are so over the top and it's so fun to see the development and and you're like oh i thought oregon was great and when you think about it oregon's facilities were built like 10 plus years ago right yeah. you know they've been up it's time for an bit, upgrade in huh? years in 10 years people can get really creative that's <laughs> true you you're right that. about that and 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 it's I, I, my favorite part is when you know you're in an nfl locker room and, and a guy from oregon or a guy from you know a clemson or an lsu they come into the NFL locker rooms and facilities, and they're like, "Whoa! Like this is nothing to what I had in college." <laughs> you're like, where, "You know, where's my flat screen TV in my locker? Where you know, where where's the uh, you know triple jets in the hot tub?" And um, <laughs> yeah, no, they, you don't realize that. Okay, everything that is paid for at the professional place is coming from the owners uh and and the paychecks so you know there's no donors when it comes to professional football no it's crazy it really is uh so good luck if you're an lsu player enjoy it that is some hell of a locker room uh hey mark we appreciate the time this morning we really do talk a little nfl a little college with you and hopefully we can get you on again real soon have a great weekend all right yeah appreciate it guys thanks a lot you got it mark herslick uh still sporting that mohawk and all and not many people can wear a can sport a mohawk mark herslick can <laughs> i'll tell you that uh, he, and even if he couldn't he's bigger than both of us so he wouldn't tell him that he was doing it wrong that's a fair point yeah. as well uh well said andrew well said we're gonna talk a little uh, we're gonna talk a little wwe coming up straight ahead. they got SummerSlam this weekend uh brian alvarez has got a uh, new book out 100 things you need to know and do before you die if you're a wwe fan we'll get into that bogus has got an update it's a friday morning we're starting your work day closing out the work week heading straight forward to the weekend taz moose bogus in the house cbs sports radio it's taz and the moose on cbs sports radio and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. That's right. On a Friday morning, put a smile on your face. The weekend's almost here. It's Taz and the Moose. Bogish is in the house. We're going to talk a little WWE. Brian Alvarez has got a new book out. A hundred things WWE fans need to do, see, before they die. And no, 
So we'll chat about that. SummerSlam this weekend. Remember, check out Taz Sunday night. We've got a SummerSlam special right here on CBS Sports Radio. All of our great affiliates across the country. That gets going at 11 p.m. on Sunday night. 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Bogus has been filling in for Taz and also uh, updates throughout the course of the morning. What's going on, Andrew? What do we need to know right now at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time? Go! That's a loaded question. We'll begin with Kyler Murray. Just one series for him. What I need to know, you don't know the answer. That's true. Uh, One series for Murray in his (laughs) preseason debut. The Cardinals rookie QB tried at least twice to talk his way back onto the field. I wanted to score. I, want, I wanted to go back in. I, you, somebody asked me to, before the week, you know, would you would you want to go back in or how would you feel? How do you think you're feel? But, um, yeah, I was definitely, you know, I was itching for more. <laughs> Murray went six for seven, 44 yards before watching a 17-13 victory over the Chargers. Giants rookie QB Daniel Jones, five for five with a touchdown in what ended as a 31-22 victory over the Jets. And Washington rookie QB Dwayne Haskins picked off twice in Cleveland. Still happens. The Browns won 30-10. Baker Mayfield played one series, led an 89-yard touchdown drive. The Packers outscored the Texans 28-26. Veteran QB Joe Webb played the entire game for Houston because they had no other QBs active for that one. And the Ravens blanked the Jaguars 29-zip. Jacksonville held out Nick Foles. Its other QBs completed just 10 passes while getting sacked four times. Cowboys defensive end Robert Quinn suspended two games for a PED violation. Quinn's agent issuing a long, strongly worded statement saying the failure came from tainted anti-seizure medication. Sean Kiernan says they have proof a pharmacist filled a prescription for a banned substance before filling Quinn's prescription. Kiernan also criticized the NFL's heartlessness, claiming the league admitted it didn't think Quinn was intentionally doping, but still suspended him. The Yankees still red hot and still hitting rapid fire homers. Second straight two homer game for Gio Urshela. Gio Urshela, the most happy fella. No, oh, he's the most happy fella. And now we're singing three homers total in a 12-6 win in Toronto. That's 19 long balls over the last four days. The good news for the Blue Jays rookie shortstop Bo Bichette homered in his home debut. He also doubled, becoming the first player ever with a double in nine consecutive games. Cleveland won in Minnesota last night, moves 7-5, cutting the Twins' AL Central lead down to one. The Red Sox blanked the Angels' three-zip. Chris Sale, 13 Ks and a two-hitter. The Phillies lost in San Francisco 5-0. The Cubs won in Cincinnati 12-5. Back to you. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Let's hit the guest line right now. Let's welcome aboard author Brian Alvarez. He's got a new book out, 100 Things WWE Fans Should Know and Do uh, Before They Die. SummerSlam is Sunday night. Hey, Brian, Mark Malusis, Andrew Bogus with you. Thanks for a couple minutes this morning, bud. Hey, what's going on? We're doing well, Brian. How about you? You all right? Summer's going well? I'm doing great. Good, good, good. Well, glad to hear it. And, you know, intriguing new book that's going to be out here. Uh, tell us the reason. Obviously, you're a huge wrestling fan. Uh, you know, I work with a, you know, a, a former uh, wrestler and star, 30 years in the business, commentating to world champion Taz on a day-in, day-out basis, you know, vacationing this week. But tell us why you decided to put this book together. Well, they actually approached me about doing the book. They've got a series, 100 things that – for example, Pearl Jam fans should know before they die. Yankees fans should know before they die, whatever. And they wanted to do a book about wrestling and WWE. And so I had written The Death of WCW, 
And they talked to myself and Dave Meltzer, and I ended up doing this book. All right, so you get approached for doing the book. Now, how do you approach actually putting together about the 100 things you need to know and do uh, before you die? How exactly do you start to uh, uh, you know, calculate and put together that list? Well, the first thing, literally the first thing that I did was put together the list. I mean, it's obviously, you know, you're going to write about Vince McMahon and that sort of thing. But they said, like, get your list first, write down the hundred things. Once you've got your list, the book should be a lot easier to write. So it's things that you should know and do before you die. And so I went through and I started off with a list of things you should do, such as go to WrestleMania. If you've never been to a WrestleMania live, you should go to WrestleMania. Uh, Go to a WWE Hall of Fame ceremony. Just stuff like that, that if you're a hardcore fan, you probably should do. And then I went through and I just made a list of, like, who are the most important people in the history of WWE? What are the most important moments in WWE history? The Montreal Screwjob. Uh, what are some of the most important feuds? Uh, you know, Vince McMahon versus uh, Steve Austin. Just stuff like that. And I basically came up with about 104 things. And sent them out to a bunch of friends, said, am I missing anything here? Is there any glaring omissions? And uh, we narrowed it down to about 95. And I did the first 95. I left five open. And I basically told them, when this book is done, if you see anything missing, let me know. And uh, ended up being pretty easy to get 100 things. Yeah, which is kind of crazy to me, Brian, because I... You know, wrestling obviously is not new, and it is full of twists and turns and storylines and big names and big stories. I would think the hardest part is cutting the list down to 100. Yeah, I mean, there was, I mean, there are a lot of things that you could put in the book. Um, The thing that was harder to me was actually writing 100 different entries and trying to make them really good but still having like a 100,000 word limit. So basically, I mean, it seems really easy. Like, you know, you write about 100 things WWE fans should know what to do before they die. But when you really think about it, you got to write an entire biography of Steve Austin in a like... A thousand words. Yeah, a thousand words or less. Same thing with Vince McMahon, Shawn Michaels, Bruno Sammartino, the Montreal Screwjob. I mean, a hundred different things. That was the hardest thing in the book because I want it to be a good book. I want people who are hardcore fans... To enjoy I want people it. who don't really know a lot about wrestling to be able to read this book, no matter what level of wrestling fan you are. I want you to get something out of this book. And that's a pretty difficult task, knowing you've got basically a thousand words for each one of these entries. All right, let's start here, uh, Brian. Um, what's the top thing to do if you're a WWE fan? Oh, man, I'd have to go look at the book. I think it's a 10 WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so you think if you're a WWE fan, the number one thing you have to do is go to a WrestleMania. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the experience, you know, not watch on TV, the, the, and it is the Super Bowl of wrestling every single year. I mean, the, the you know, in arena, in stadium experience is just off the charts. Yeah, I think I've missed one WrestleMania live in the last, probably 13 years i've gotten every single wrestlemania and i mean to me if you're a wrestling fan i mean it doesn't matter whether like you're into the wrestlemania card like maybe you think they haven't done a good job building up the main event or whatever i mean when you go to wrestlemania i mean there's you know 70 80,000 people there and you know usually an outdoor stadium so you've got the 
the whole I always love when you go to a show and like the show starts through the daytime and when the show's over it's at night. I mean it's cool to watch it on TV, but to be there it's even better. You're surrounded by crazy wrestling fans. The production of the show, I mean, millions and millions and millions of dollars are put into putting these shows together. Uh, it's the biggest matches. You know, it's Ric Flair's retirement. It's Kurt Angle's retirement. It's Rock versus Cena. I mean, it's just the biggest moment in wrestling history. And to be there live, I mean, if you're a WWE fan and they come anywhere near your hometown and you don't go... I mean, it's just kind of surprising to me. I mean, you should go. It's it's a great experience whether you're really into WWE or not. What about venues, Brian? Are there places that you have to see a WWE event in? I didn't put those in the book as far as, like, you know, attend at Madison Square Garden or attend at, uh, you know, um I don't. I don't really feel like you. You necessarily need to be. I've never been a person who felt like certain venues. I mean, obviously, like Madison Square Garden, places like that. You know, you probably should go if you get a chance. Uh, but to me, it's more about the event, uh, the way the WWE puts their shows together. I mean, for the most part, they tell you what town they're in. But if they didn't tell you, they could be anywhere on any given week. The shows always look the same, no matter where they're from. Um, so, no, I, I mean, it, it's cool to go to, like, the most famous venues, but I, I didn't think that that was one of the most important things about being a fan. Uh, the book, 100 Things WWE Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, we're joined by author Brian Alvarez. The forward is by Lance Storm. All right, Brian, you know wrestling backwards and forwards, right? So you're I hope putting, so. Yeah, you do. And you're putting together a book that plays not only to you, the wrestling fan, but to the maybe the, the wrestling fan that's just getting involved, just starting to watch. I'll ask you this question. What did you learn writing this book? Oh, man. Um, I got a chance. I've been a WWE fan, like, since I was a a little kid. I started watching in, like, 1986, 1987. And this was a chance for me to really go back and do some research into things that I thought I remembered, but I wasn't really sure. Like, when you're a kid, you you think you remember certain things. And I got a chance to go back and, like, investigate. I guess investigate is not the right word, but I went back and looked at all of these shows that I went to as a kid. And I vaguely remembered them as an adult. But this gave me a chance to go back and, like, find the cards for all of these shows. And I actually remembered things a lot better than I thought I would. So it was fun to go back and and look at how many times, for example, WWF. I lived in in Seattle. And, like, if you lived in the New York market, I mean, WWE was there all the time. It was a New York York promotion. In Seattle, like, they never come here anymore. They come here maybe once a year, maybe twice a year if we're lucky. I went back and, and, like, they used to come to the Seattle area. This was back in the 80s when they had, like, four different touring crews. They were here like every two months, and it seemed like a lot when I was a kid. But to go back and actually see how often WWE came to the Seattle area in the 80s, it was crazy. I mean, they literally were running a 1,000 shows a year. So sometimes you hear like older wrestlers talk about, oh, you know, I, we had this many, but you kind of think, oh, seriously, how many did you really do? But you go back and look, and they literally were running a 1,000 shows a year. And these guys were doing a crazy number of events. So things like that, going back and looking like the history of the McMahon family, when the family first came here, and 
how long they've been involved in boxing and or wrestling. I mean, things like that were a lot of fun to go back and, and look at. Brian, uh, a couple quick hitters here. Greatest wrestler, greatest WWE wrestler of all time is whom? Are you talking about like inside the ring? However you way you want to phrase it. Most impactful, what do you think the, uh, I'll answer this, most impactful WWE wrestler of all time. Oh, God, the most impactful wrestler of all time. I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be uh, Hogan, Bruno, and Steve Austin are your top three. The Rock wouldn't be in your top three. I wouldn't put The Rock in the top three because Steve Austin was really the guy that carried the Attitude Era. I mean, he was the guy, the feud with Vince McMahon. I mean, they were the two. Vince McMahon and Steve Austin were the two that made Vince McMahon a billionaire. I mean, it was that feud. And Rock was a part of it, and he was a big part of it because Steve Austin was was injured a lot, and Rock was the guy that stepped up and carried it. I mean, I don't think there will ever in wrestling history, ever, be another period where you've got a Vince McMahon, a Steve Austin, and a Rock all at the same time. It's I agree like with impossible. that. It could just never happen again. When I look back at that era, it's like, how did they get these three people all at the same time? Like, it's a miracle. Like, it's a one-in-ten-lifetime sort of deal. You may get another Rock. You may get another Steve Austin. You may get another guy who plays the boss as good as Vince McMahon. But to have all three at the same time, it's, like, impossible. It really was, and it was a tremendous time for wrestling. We'll close it out here, Brian, and it's a great book. 100 Things a WWE Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Hop online, check it out wherever books are sold for the wrestling fan. And Brian, obviously, uh, knows wrestling backwards and forwards. Are we setting up for a good SummerSlam on Sunday night? I hope so. Uh, the build for the card has been hit and miss, but I look at the matches, and I think that in the ring – I think it's going to be a pretty good card. So I'm cautiously optimistic about the card. Hey, Brian, best of luck with the book. We appreciate the a couple minutes here uh, on this Friday morning. And enjoy the rest of your summer. Enjoy SummerSlam on, on Sunday night. And have a great weekend, all right? Yep, thanks so much, guys. You got it. Brian Alvarez, uh, 100 things WWE fans should know and do before they die. Check it out. Tremendous read. You learn a little something. Uh, it's a little something for everybody, especially if you're a huge wrestling fan. Make sure to check it out. We'll come back. We got the undercard for you. Taz and Moose, Mark Belusis, Andrew Bogish in the house on this Friday morning. CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, Thank you, Jackson. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is brought to you by Geico. Great news. Quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Time right now, Bogus, to answer our Ask the Pros question of the day brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. This question is from Josh and KC. Are the Chiefs nuts with this idea to play Mahomes the entire first quarter uh, Saturday night. Don't forget, you can submit a question by going to cbssportsradio.com slash askthepros. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices, excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every single day. Uh, in short, yeah. I mean, I, I do think they're nuts. I, I would not play Patrick Mahomes <laughs> to you. the entire first quarter. Uh, we we touched upon it briefly earlier on in the program. I don't I don't think that makes any sense whatsoever. I, I 
You know, I don't. I know Mahomes has got a feel for the offense. I understand he want to knock the rust off. I mean, heaven forbid he should suffer some sort of an injury that causes him to miss uh, time in the regular season. I don't think. I don't think the preseason is for a guy like Patrick Mahomes. I don't. I mean, it's a lot of trust in everybody around him that they're going to protect him and keep him upright. And obviously, you know, you can call non-threatening plays, but you can't control the other side, and you can't control Mahomes you know, maybe trying to make a play and putting himself in danger in the moment. And I'm sure he wants to get out there because everybody wants to get out there. But to play him for an entire quarter, that makes no sense. It makes very, very little sense. I know. And I joked around, who am I to question Andy Reid? I mean, I think you have every right to question Andy Reid. That that I I don't get. I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't understand. I don't think you know putting your quarterback in harm's way. I, I play him a series. You know, uh, yeah, that's fine. Play him two series if you want. I mean, uh, you know, I you know, I, I I don't get it. I don't. I just don't understand it. Uh, but that's what the Kansas City Chiefs are planning to do on Saturday night uh, with their star quarterback. All right, let's get to it. Here we go. The undercard. Taz and the Moose present The Undercard. The stories from today's rundown that we haven't talked about on the show. Hi, Mike. What do we got, bud? All right, so the Argentinian women's basketball team was forced to forfeit a game because they were wearing the wrong uniform. The team they were playing in Colombia, well, they had a similar shade of blue, so because of that, Argentina had to forfeit. Is this a little harsh and over the top? Well, if it's in the rules, it's the rules, right? Did they? Did their equipment manager make a mistake here? Did he get he or she those get fired? Yeah, those are the rules. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, there was a blunder. Yeah, it, uh, too bad. There was a resignation after. It. Oh, was there there was, really? There was a resignation. Someone decided that's a tough way to lose. Good your thing job. it wasn't soccer. That's a, in that's a tough way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right about that. That's a tough way to lose your job. Why do you have to step down? Well, we wore, we wore the wrong uniform. I got my home whites. You're out. That's a tough one. No? And there are rules, Moose. A yes. wise man once said there that's are true. rules. You're right about that. All right, next. Those are the rules. We had mentioned the, oh, the double. The double got me. We had mentioned the Yankees and White Sox. They'll have the Field of Dreams site set up to play, and I mentioned this to you guys off air. But what would be another cool venue for two baseball teams to play in the U.S. of A.? Another cool venue. Uh, that's a great question. The problem is there's... I, I would not mind doing like kind of military tour. They did Fort Bragg, North Carolina in 2016. Right. Uh, I wouldn't mind doing kind of a military base tour. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't. I, off the top of my head, I don't know what either Army or Navy's baseball setup is. If it's expandable to, to fit a major league team, I I think I, I'd maybe more prefer or certainly would suggest like a completely non-traditional setting, like make a field in the middle of Yosemite or in the middle of Central Park and play a game there. That would be crazy. Just a big wide open space. You can make the field build out whoever you want. I mean, they're starting from scratch. Bring the wildlife field of dreams. into play in Yosemite. Exactly. If a bear There's all of a sudden, uh, it on you know. the field. The big black or brown bear. Yeah. There's a grizzly. Followed by Brandon I don't even Tierney. know if there's grizzly bears. <laughs> you know, grizzly. <laughs> Our boy BT's is, been away all summer hosting. Is that where, is that where he is in Utah? Yeah, is, he, is he sleeping with the bears? I don't know exactly where they are, but he's in like the, dances with wolves. Yeah. Now Kevin Costner dances with wolves? He's in the general area of Salt Lake City. Kevin Costner? Oh, yes, yeah. it was. Yeah. Man vs. Bear, I think, is the name of the show. Brandon Tierney stars in Dances with Bears. <laughs> It's Brendan Tierney with the lead. 
Mike, be great job. Bogus, have a great vacation, Thanks, man. Moose, you, you too. You got it. Great job as well all week long. Everyone out there, we appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, have a wonderful Friday. Good weekend as well. Till Monday. Peace. There's got to be a 10-second runoff here. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 